Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's time to turn your garden into a smart garden on News Radio 830 WCCO. Smart Gardens, an hour of expert advice and answers to all of your lawn and gardening questions. You can call 989-9226 or text us at 81807. Now, here's Denny Law with this week's Smart Garden. Right you are here at 830 WCCO on this Saturday. Glad that we see Teresa Rooney, Master Gardener Good here. Good morning. It'll be a tough job doing it by myself. Teresa, oh, you do great. Always good to see you. And good to see you. Thanks for your help, and our listeners appreciate it as well. If you're new to the show, thanks for joining us. I want to tell you it is brought to us by the folks down in Jordan, Minnesota, that make by-the-yard outdoor furniture, the best patio furniture your money can buy. We'll talk about that a little bit later. We thank them for that uh, sponsorship, of course. And we welcome your uh, lawn and garden questions for, for Teresa, either by phone or by text. The phone number is 651-989-9226, and the text number is 81807. You guys were mentioning to me that we did indeed here and there have some sprinkles out yes. there. Yes. And that's Not good. very much. It's very good because it's that. very dry. We're really an dry. inch plus below what we should yeah. be having. And then yep. think about the temperatures. Now, it yep. was 76 uh, when I got here this mm-hmm. morning. It's 71 now. It's still hot and humid out there, And it's, just, it's the 16th of it September. Is. It is. How about that? Yeah. Uh, what, are you, what are you doing in your own personal garden uh, the, this time of year? I'm thinking about garlic, mm. but I haven't gotten it yet. But I am thinking about, because you plant garlic here in Minnesota, we plant that the first or second, first week in October. Uh-huh. So that's when you plant your garlic. So it's a really good time now to prep that garlic bed, get it all ready, throw in some compost, um, water it well, cover it up with some straw so that it gets all ready when you go in October to plant it. And get those fall bulbs planted. Ah. So you have your daffodils and tulips and fritillarias and everything else for next spring. Very good. Yeah. I was trying to think when we uh, had a good neighbor tour to uh, California, um, Yosemite, mm-hmm. and we're driving there was some city in California that's like the garlic city. Uh, maybe yes. you know it. Mm-hmm. I can't remember mm-hmm. the name of it. Yep. But you knew you were in that city. And yes, you, you were. <laughs> a few miles outside it's, of it. It's like going to the garlic festival it, in Hutchinson yeah, in yeah, August. Yeah, there you go. You yeah. know where you are. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. If you have a, a lawn or garden question, you know we tend to get busy. Don't wait. Uh, bring it in right now. 651-989-9226. Or text us if that's easier. 81807. Uh, Teresa, Gwen is calling in uh, from uh, Plymouth. Gwen, how can we help you? Hi, Gwen. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Mm-hmm. I'm a longtime listener, and Great. we were in need of some serious tree trimming when I heard you advertise B&M Tree Service. Yes. We had them out yesterday, and I'm going to tell you they are the greatest. Ben and Marv took care of every one of our trees that we needed trimmed, the cleanup afterwards was excellent, and I just wanted to call and let 
CCL listeners know if they need tree trimming, <laughs> these, these guys are the ones well, to call. Well, that's great. I really appreciate it. They are, they are good workers, aren't they? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. They're incredible. Well, Gwen, thank you for, uh, for that unsolicited comment. Unsolicited. About B&M. Yeah, Ben's a great guy. All right, good. 651-989. He'll be glad to hear that for sure. Maybe he'll even give you a deal on the next one. <laughs> All right. Uh, Mary is calling from uh, Minneapolis. Hi, Mary. Hi, Mary. Good morning. What can we do for you today? Glad we're getting some rain. Yes, yes. Uh, just checking on what you would recommend for perennial, the perennials for planting in the fall and also um, if it's still a good time to seed for some lawn repair. Oh, those are great questions. It's a wonderful time to get your perennials transplanted. Try to do those within the next week. You want them to have six weeks so that they can really get into the soil and get their roots out there. And then when you do trans, when you do put in new perennials or transplant them this year anytime, make sure you keep watering till the ground is frozen um, and then uh, not continuously, just keep them moist. And then um, give them a little extra mulch this first year just to make sure they don't pop out of the ground in January. And for seeding, it's excellent time to overseed your lawn now up until about the 20th of the month. So go ahead and overseed your lawn. If you do overseed, then you're not going to be using a winterizer because that new grass will just be burned by the winterizer. So it's a choice, but if you have to make a choice and your lawn's not really thick, I would say overseed is the best thing to do right now for your lawn. Okay, very good. By the way, Cindy called and uh, reminded me that it's Gilroy, California. That's, oh, Gilroy, that's the, yes, uh, I have heard of that. Yes. So thank you, Cindy, for that. Tommy is calling from uh, Minneapolis. Tommy, you're on with uh, Teresa. Hey, Tommy. Hi, good morning. Um, So, yes, uh, the question is, if I were to put down a weed and feed uh, on the lawn right now, can I still dormant seed before the snow flies? Um, You should be able to. I would look at what your weed and feed says. It it will give you a warning when you can then overseed, and then you do have to follow that um, and then do do your dormant seeding in October. Um, The weed and feed is not normally what you do at this time of year, um, but you can do it. Uh, You could just use a broadleaf weed killer and a winterizer rather than the weed and feed, which might not work as well but um that's so so i would read the label instructions um as with everything the label is the law so read the label and it will tell you when you can then seed after you've used the product i had that question in my own mind uh, Teresa, mm-hmm. recently and uh you had a choice of weed and feed but you're right mm-hmm. i don't recall a pre-emergent putting down that this no time no you wouldn't the weed and feed isn't a pre-emergent it's not? no it, there's a pre-emergent and then there's a weed and feed the the weed and feed is actually a like a broadleaf weed killer and a fertilizer so it doesn't really impact seeds but it may linger long enough Mm. the fertilizer may linger long enough to burn the seedlings well just to to be safe Mm -hmm. i've just put down a fall fertilizer i would just do the fall fertilizer which they call the winterizer which can be a little confusing and um, if you do need a broadleaf weed killer now is the time to use it and i would use probably a spray broadleaf weed killer or spot treat okay uh, back to the phones. Uh, thanks, Tommy. Uh, thanks. Bob, Bob in Bloomington is on the horn. Go ahead, Bob. Teresa is uh, listening. Hey, Bob. Yes. Hi, say thanks. Um, I've actually sent a text for the last two weeks with a picture, but I never really heard an answer. I've grown tomatoes for 30 years. Mm-hmm. And I'm used to early and late leaf blights and various pests, but for the first time ever, I've had a real decimating 
fruit blight itself, it doesn't really start till the tomatoes start turning red. Mm-hmm. And as they ripen, these sort of brownish spots really um, erode and get all over the tomatoes and um, really ruin them. Mm-hmm. I, I do change my soil because it's a raised bed. I dig it out like every three years and replace it. Sure. This is mm-hmm. brand, new, brand new soil. Yep. Is this sound anything you might uh, have a comment on what I would guess, um, and and there are some diseases that it could be, but my guess would be it was hit by hail at some time during the season because we have had some hailstorms come through, and then it gets damaged. Uh, the the unripened fruit gets damaged, and then as it ripens, that damage starts to show up. That would be my guess. So it's nothing you have done with the soil or anything like that. It's just something that happens with the environment. Um, you know, in cases like that, if you know a hailstorm's coming, you can throw some some uh, floating row cover or screen your tomatoes or something like that. But we're not always home when the hailstorm comes. That's so, true. So you just kind of have to go with it. And that and our apple growers have run into a lot of hailstorms too. So if you're seeing apples in the market that are kind of bruised, just understand your apple grower had a lot of hailstorms too. So they may not look as pretty, but they still taste good. Still taste good. The apples, I'm sorry, the, the tomatoes, if they are damaged, um, do not use those for canning. Um, eat them fresh if they're good enough to still eat fresh. Mm. But don't preserve them. Okay. They, you don't want to preserve um, blemished fruit. Very good. Teresa Rooney, Master Gardeners in studio right now. If you are answering your question, 651-989-9226 or text uh, is 81807. We're going to get back to the text screen when we come back after the break. So hang on. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to CCO's Garden Show. We call it Smart Garden and welcoming your phone calls and text messages in the studio with us right now is Teresa Rooney, Master Gardener, who helps us out from time to time, helps you out. And Teresa, you're not a stranger to a lot of phone calls and a lot of text messages. So let's, uh, in fact, I wanted to back up a little bit uh, before the text screen gets so filled. Uh, uh, Is The text says, will aeration help my bumpy lawn? It should. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, That could be earthworms too, could it It could be earthworms, yeah. yeah. And it could just be a, a really compacted lawn. But it, it will help. It will help. Mm-hmm. Some. Mm-hmm. Tech says this, when is the earliest peonies and lamb's ears can be cut back? You know, I don't cut any, I would suggest not to cut anything back till it's hit by the frost. Oh, okay. Because the plants are still photosynthesizing and you want to have them go into winter as healthy as they possibly can. So do it as late as you can. Um, if And if you have to, if you're headed out of town for the rest of the season, you do it the latest you possibly can. If you can wait till the frost kills it, that's the best. That's the best. Back to the phones we go. Gary is calling from Wasika. Go ahead, Gary. We're listening. Hi, Gary. Hi. We've got, uh, I've got a son who's a first-time gardener in Rochester. Mm-hmm. And we, we went to pull the beets to do them a couple weeks ago. And the tops were fine. They looked good. Mm-hmm. But as soon as we pulled them out, the whole top quarter of the beet, every beet was eaten by it looks like a little grub worm. Oh, my. And so we're just, is there anything we can put on now or what do we do next summer? Um, You know, I'm not sure what it is. So first of all, I would suggest to go to the website extension.umn.edu and click on the garden tab or just Google Beats UMN. 
and see if there's any any issues with insects there. Um, I would clean up the foliage. I would clean up your garden really, really well in the fall. Make sure you clean everything out of there. And then remember, crop rotation is really important. So so don't plant your beets in the same spot next year. Um, plant them in a different spot. But I don't know what that insect would be. I'm not sure which grub would do it. I don't know what it was. Offhand. So check the website if you can or have check your son website, do that, Gary. Yep. But um, just, just as if you ever have a problem in your garden, you always want to do crop rotation if at all possible, and you always want to clean up everything out of your veggie garden in the fall. Okay. And that will get a lot of the insects and disease problems out of your garden. Oh, that would be good. All right. Okay. Good thank luck. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Gary, thank you. Good luck with that. Now, uh, we're a little ahead of the game here, but you mentioned that you are going to have a book coming out. I do, yes. And that what 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 is it about? <laughs> it's humane critter control. That's the title mm. of it. So so you can't take the shotgun out and kill the bunnies or the or the raccoons, no matter how much I want to. Sometimes with the you raccoons, have, you have some different treatments. I have different treatments. Yes. Yeah, so when other can ideas. we see that? Is that um, a, it'll be out in December. In December, mm-hmm, we'll yep. have to talk more about that when the book sure. comes out. Mm-hmm, yep. Sounds good. Yep. Uh, Mary is calling from uh, Minneapolis, I believe. Go ahead, Mary. You're on CCO. Hi, Mary. I guess I'll have to get the book. (laughs) (laughs) Well, just this past week in the backyard, Mm -hmm. about four or five nice size holes, and you can kind of see a little trail under the grass, and I said, oh, my gosh, what is this? Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm wondering, do I have moles? And how to safely mm-hmm. get, get rid, rid of, of them. them. Are they in the grass or your garden? You no, said grass. They're in, they're in the grass. They're in the grass. Okay. Um, if they're moles, uh, what they're doing is they're digging and they're eating all the grubs. So they are kind of eating some of those Japanese beetle grubs if that was a problem in your yard. They're also eating earthworms and other beneficial things that would be in there. You can, it's usually just one mole. They dig about 250 feet a night, so they're pretty aggressive with their digging. Um, they, they are cleaning up your yard. They're aerating, so they do have some benefits. If you don't want them, then use something like one of the one of the um, repellents, like it's basically it's castor oil, uh, and that may suggest, tell them to move off into something else. If you believe that it's voles, which are like little field mice, um, they'll be eating the roots of your grass, and you don't want that, and then they can get into your garden and eat the roots of your garden. So what you want to do is make sure that your grass is not too long, um, it, especially you don't want it like two feet high or anything like that. Clean up wood piles, things like that, where they could hide over winter. And uh, and just do, don't mulch your winter garden until the ground's frozen. So. That sounds kind of like moles, though. It sounds more yeah. like a mole, yep. And so, they can so do a lot of damage They to can that do long. a lot of damage. There are They are doing some good. And once the food's gone, they'll head out. But um, but you, you can try the castor oil. That's about the, the only thing. It's just, and it'll be like a regular one that you'll find in the... In the garden centers. All right. Let's see. Do we need the break yet? Mm, let's do another call One more here. Caller. Uh, Marianne is calling from Stillwater. Marianne, you're on with Teresa. Hi, Marianne. Hi. Good morning. I have a garden box. This is my third year. The garden box size is six feet by three. I've planted beautiful uh, blooms, uh, sweet peas. This year, I had many blooms. They shriveled and dried. Right next to them were zinnias. They were blooming, and then they shriveled and died. And next to them were snapdragons, and they never did bloom. And I'm wondering what I've done wrong. Okay, did the whole plant shrivel or just the blooms? The whole plant plant. shriveled. All the 
foliage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, it would be my guess that you probably didn't do anything wrong. It could have been some kind of herbicide drift that hit your plants that they were kind of susceptible to one thing that I would think about. And it doesn't mean any of your neighbors did it. That stuff can drift, you know, two miles or more on the wind. So we don't always know when that stuff is coming and hitting our plants. Um, other than that, I don't really know because something to affect so many different plants, it would have to be more of a of a environmental thing, not a disease. There's not a lot of diseases that would hit everything just like that. So that's what I would think it was, something like that. And so just pull up the plants and keep amending your garden and try again next year. And I'm sorry that happened. Teresa, we have to take a break. Mm-hmm. We have another half hour of the show to go. So if you did not get in uh, the first half hour, we'll have more time for your calls or text messages here on our Smart Garden Show on CCO. And good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show brought to us by By the Yard Outdoor Furniture. In if you're just joining us, Teresa Rooney, Master Gardener, is helping us out today. And uh, Teresa, still callers and texters Excellent. need your help. I see one line is open at 651-989-9226. Uh, if we'd rather send a text, 81807, we'll pick up on those as well. Uh, Carol is calling from Golden Valley, I believe, with a question. Go ahead, Carol. Hi, Carol. Hello. Um, I have a question about LED light bulbs. Mm-hmm. In the winter, I use uh, fluorescent lights um, around my house plants, mm-hmm. and it's harder and harder to find some of those little fixtures. They, they have them as LED. Is LED light as beneficial for plants. It, it will be. Um, I'm not sure how hot they get, so make sure they're not getting too hot by your plants like the old incandescents did. Okay. So, so that would be my major concern. Um, but you're probably using them. Um, uh, yeah, I would still, I would go ahead with the LED lights. Mm-hmm. Thank you. You bet. Mm, very good. Yeah. And uh, to my experience is they're cooler. Are they cooler? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. My limited experience. Okay. I, I don't have that much experience with them, so I don't want to go one way or the <laughs> yeah. other. Yeah, it's getting harder and harder to find other bulbs. It, really it is. Yeah. It is, yeah. Six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. Texter says this. Is it okay to dethatch right now? Yes. Yes. Now yeah. is a good time to be doing your aeration and deep thatching. I'm looking at the forecast yep. this week, Teresa, yep. and, you know, 80 today, 70 tomorrow, 72 mm-hmm. Monday. Yep. Yep. So it's still going to be in the 70s. And, and if anybody has any lawn questions, go to the extension.umn.edu website, click on the garden tab, go to lawns. Sam has excellent articles Sam Bauer there. just does He's great amazing. work. He's amazing. Yep. really mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Can grass seed go bad? I used some seed left over from last year, and it's not growing like it should. Well, if it's growing at all, it's probably fine. Um, it. Any seed can go bad. Yeah. Uh, if you're if you're going to overseed your or if you're going to use some seed, um, you can throw it in the freezer overnight, and that'll help it. But some of the grass seed takes 28 days to germinate, so you know some are four and five, and some are 28. Depends on the species okay. of grass you're using. So so look at the package, and it'll tell you that. Yep, you have a mix of germination rates in there from you know five to 28 Good days. Good so point. it could just be that your 28 days mix was a little heavier and you're waiting forever for it to come up. Patience. Patience and keep the grass seed moist. So yes. that means watering two, three, four times a day very lightly. Very lightly. Mm-hmm. Back to the phones we go, Teresa. Claudia is calling uh, from Champlain. Good morning, Claudia. Hi, Claudia. Good Good morning, Teresa. How are you guys doing today? Excellent. Yes, great. And you? Uh, doing well, except for all the Japanese beetles. I <laughs> oh, yes. Here. But they're almost done now, so you're okay. Yeah, they're yeah. almost done. Yeah. But my question is, I had a hanging strawberry plant that I just put on a table, mm-hmm. and then I took all the runners and put them in pots around it, so I've mm-hmm. got lots of strawberries. Oh, how exciting. But 
I had a lot of beetles. They love strawberries. Mm-hmm. Will they have laid their larvae so I get grubs Probably in the not. soil? Probably not. They prefer turf. Oh, good. So they would have they would have flown to some area for turf. So so okay. that so you should be That's okay good. with that. Mm-hmm. Just uh, you know then, those those are you going to bring those plants in or are you going to stick them in the ground? That was or? my second question. Okay. I'm planning on bringing them in. Okay. What's the best way to take care of them over the winter? Excellent. Okay. So when you're bringing plants in from the outside, first of all, move them into the shade. Uh, you know, two to three to four weeks before you bring them into the house. Just gets them used to a lower light situation that your house is going to be. Wash them off with, uh, you know, just plain water. If you want to use insecticidal soap, you can. But wash them off. Clean the pots really well. Um, you may, And if there's any debris on top of the soil, take that debris off of the soil. Bring them into mm-hmm. your house. Quarantine them for about two weeks from your other plants. Make sure no bugs came in, no diseases came in. Then go ahead and give them the most light you can in your in your house. Uh, most of our house plants or our plants we bring in need more light than we're going to give them in the house. So supplemental light may help too. Okay, thank okay. you very much. Good, good. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Claudia. Claudia leaves that line open at 651-989-9226. Barbara is calling in from Minneapolis. Hi, Barbara. Hi, Barbara. How are you? Good. How are you? Um, I have a question. I had a tree service out uh, to uh, treat my birch tree, which is large, very, Mm -hmm. very large, uh, for birch borer. But he said the best way to save a birch is to to put mulch around it um, and don't let it get stressed out and dry. So I've got six bags I put around the tree. And I've only made it about two feet wide. I want some grass left. Mm -hmm. How wide an area should I have around the tree? Okay. Um, So what you want to do with mulch around a tree is there should be a bare area of soil around your tree trunk, at least, you know, six to eight inches around the entire trunk. So it's like a no man's land. And then put your mulch out past that. If you want to, you could mulch all the way to the drip line or further. That would cover those roots and keep them um, moister. Uh, so mulch as far as you can and what you want to do. And mulch should be two inches thick. Maybe that would be fine. Um, before you put mulch down, if at all possible, water really well and then put the mulch down because otherwise it's hard for that water to wet that mulch and then get to the to the soil. So make sure you've got that soil nice and moist and then put mulch on top of that. Um, but yeah, you can mulch as far as the drip line or as, you know, as not, uh, you know, where, however you want to do your yard. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, maybe it's related here. Bonnie is calling in from Mankato. Bonnie, what is your question? Hi, Bonnie. Hi, good morning. Um, we have a heritage birch that we've been treating with iron for, mm-hmm. um, because the leaves are real light yep. yellow mm-hmm. or light mm-hmm. green. Yep. How long or how late in the fall should we be doing that? You know, um, it, uh, I would probably have already treated it. And then what you might want to consider, too, is soil sulfur. I mean, you can put that down anytime in the spring and fall as an additional. That will help. Basically, your your soil pH is too high for the birch. It's not happy there. So this is an ongoing thing that you'll have to do for the life of the tree. Um, so I would put, you know, the iron right now or already have it done. And then also supplement with the soil sulfur. That'll help a little bit, too. Um, both of those in combination will help. And that soil sulfur you can put down even on nearly frozen soil. Okay. Good great. luck. Good thanks. luck. It's the pH issue you're dealing with there. Aha. Uh-huh. Thanks, Bonnie. Appreciate that. Back. To, uh, by the way, if you want to send a text to Teresa, 81807. Here's one. Are plants and trees uh, 
taking nutrients right now, and is it a good time to fertilize, and if yes, for how much longer? Oh, that's an excellent question. No, it's not a good time to fertilize right now. Annuals, keep fertilizing till they're dead. Veggies, keep fertilizing till they're dead. Um, everything else, stop fertilizing. The winterizing on the lawn is something you can do. Uh, but no other feeding of any other plants. Uh, they this time of year the soil cools down, and uh, it gets uh, the plants then realize that there's not going to be as much nutrition in the soil. There's also cooler weather, less light. All of those signal the plants to go into dormancy and to grab as much photosynthesis from the sun as they can, plump up their roots, and that's that's what their their thinking is. So rather than mix them up by putting a big buffet in the soil, don't do it just if that helps. This time of year. So don't feed them. The children yeah. have to go to bed now. Don't feed them just before bedtime. <laughs> Do not give them a candy bar before bedtime. Good idea. Um, just they need to go to bed. So if that helps, you think of what they're doing. All right. Texter says, we had ivy growing on our fence that was destroyed by Japanese beetles. Is there any kind of vine that you can recommend that the Japanese beetles would not eat? I don't know. Um, you know, they've they've started to eat more and more and more all the time. Um, you could try a clematis. They may or may not take that. The jackmanny clematis, the purple one, grows fairly quickly. You could try something like that. And I don't know if it's sun or a shade location that you're looking at there. Um, so you're just going to have to do a trial and error. And the Japanese beetles are learning to eat more and more different food. Mm, so bring those birds in. Invite your birds into the into the yard as much as possible they, and show them the Japanese beetles and tell them to eat them. All right. Very good. Uh, 651-989-9226. There is a line open if you want to use it. Uh, Vicki is calling in from Maple Plain. Vicki, you're on with Teresa. Hi, Vicki. Hi, how are you this morning? I'm well. What can we do for you today? I have a beautiful red bud tree, but it isn't looking so beautiful the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. I haven't gotten any blooms, and it doesn't seem to be getting any larger. It does get leaves. It has a globe at the top of leaves, Mm -hmm. but um, it doesn't seem to be growing. Is it sighted under other trees, or is it way out in the open? It's pretty much in the open. The okay. closest one is probably 25 feet away. All right. Okay. Um, redbud trees would prefer uh, to be more of an understory tree. They would like some protection of bigger, taller trees by them. Oh. Um, they like, they're sort of like a birch in that respect. They kind of like the moist soil, a little bit of shade, a little bit of protection. Um, so I would probably keep making sure that it's getting enough water. That will really help. It could be a little dry out there for it. So it's getting a little stressed from so much sunshine. But that, that would be one of my guesses, that that's part of what you're seeing there. It's just a little too stressed. It doesn't have the energy to, to do the blooming or anything like that. So, okay, so try that. Uh, and if you want, you know, you can always top dress with a compost either now or in the springtime. Um, you know, pull back the mulch, water well, put down a little compass, compa- um, compost, and then put the mulch back again. Um, that might help it. And, uh, and to just keep it moist if possible or keep, give it a little ec- additional water. Okay. Uh, let's see. Jean is calling from Maple Grove uh, on Smart Garden. Go ahead, Jean. We're listening. Hi, Jean. Hi. I have a clematis, and I'm wondering, can I cut it down this fall and it'll grow? 
or do I wait till spring, or can I not do it? It depends on what it is. Uh, Master gardeners, we love to say it depends. There's basically three different kinds of clematis. One blooms on old wood, one blooms on new wood, one blooms on both. So you need to know what kind of clematis it is, and it will tell you when to prune it. So if it blooms on new wood, you can cut it whenever you want to. If it blooms on old wood, any wood you're cutting off now, you are um, taking out next year's flowers. If it blooms on old and new wood, you can um, cut as you need to. So if you can remember the name of it, look it up, and it will tell you then what kind of pruning it is, whether it's an A, B, or C, and then it'll tell you when you should prune that. Hope that helps. Dead is dead. You can always take out dead stuff. Okay. We need to take a quick okay. break, Teresa, but we'll be back with more Smart Garden Show here on CCO. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. And good morning. Welcome back to this portion of our Smart Garden Show. We are here every Saturday in the uh, 8 o'clock hour. With us this morning is Teresa Rooney, Master Gardener. Let's give that website for the U of M again, uh, Teresa, while we're thinking about it. Extension.umn.edu. A lot of good stuff on there. A lot of good stuff yeah. on there. Click on the garden tab. You'd be amazed. Carl is calling from Turtle Lake with a question. Carl, you're on with Teresa. Hi, Carl. Yes, ma'am. Good morning. Morning. I got a um, eight-year-old white maple, about two inches in diameter. Got it planted in gravel next to the lake. Uh, but the leaves were turning brown, tips of the spring. And then I thought it had a buck, but then it came back. But now they're crispy brown again this fall. Just the uh, just the ends, not the whole leaf. Mm-hmm. But they're uh, they're the big white maple leaf. Okay. Um. It, so I, and there's no bucks. I okay. It's it's probably the tree sounds a little stressed. I would make sure that you look first of all for girdling roots. That would be one of my first ideas. Um, it's a so you want the tree to look like you can you you want to be able to see the root flare as it goes into the soil rather than the tree looking like a telephone book going into the so, a telephone pole going into the soil. So if it looks like a telephone pole going into the soil, it may have been planted too deep. You can start excavating some of the soil around um, until you find that first root. Make sure it's not strangling itself with another root. That would be my first thing. Um, maples get girdling roots extremely easily if they're if they're planted too deeply. That would be that. Um, and, and since it's planted in gravel, I'm thinking maybe it's not getting enough water, even if it is near the lake. So you may want to make sure that it is getting enough moisture. Uh, that that would be my two two things to look at. Okay. It's there's something stressing that tree, so it's not an insect; it's a environmental stress of some type. All right. Good luck. Good luck, Carl. Yeah, thanks for the call. Steve is calling in from Buffalo with a question. Go ahead, Steve. Hi, Steve. Hello, hello there. See, I've got a Christmas cactus, and it doesn't bloom. And I and when I touch it, the leaves fall off. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not watering it enough, or um, you may be watering it too much. Um, they are a cactus or a succulent, so they do need a fairly dry soil. Oh, it also needs to get those the buds going. It needs a difference in temperature between night and day of about 10 degrees. That's why in the old houses where we had really bad windows, people had it in the east window, and then they'd pull the drapes at night, and it would be outside uh, or inside of those drapes um, next to that chilly window, and then it would be drop. the temperature would drop down, and then we'd open the drapes, and it would be warm again in the morning. So it needs that difference of 10 degrees every night um, to help set those buds. It also needs to be a little root-bound, 
so make sure it's not in too big of a pot. Those would be, um, so don't overwater, get it a little root-bound if possible, and then give it that difference in temperatures between, uh, you know, 10 degrees at night. Lots of people set their Christmas cactus out on the porch, and then as we get these full these fall nights that are cooler, it's a perfect time to help set those buds and then bring them back in. Um, that also, that difference in temperature also helps your orchids set their flowers. Texter says this to say, have you had an experience with honeyberries? I have two varieties for pollination. This is their second year and no sign of berries. It, it may just take them a little time. They are fantastic plants. Um, if you like blueberries but don't want to fuss with the pH of the soil, I'd suggest honeyberries. Um, yeah, honeyberries are fantastic. Uh, they might need a little more sun, so make sure they've got enough sun. And then just if you're seeing flowers... Uh, that's good, and then you need the pollinators in there to help pollinate them from one to the other. You have the two different varieties. That's what you need, two different varieties. Um, that should work. Okay. Another text says, uh, something has bitten the flower heads off most of my uh, Rebecca. They're too tall for rabbits to reach, and a squirrel would have bent the stalks. Is there a grasshopper or insect at this time of year Does that uh, does this sort of thing? Not that I know no. of. I, I'm not sure if deer would be an issue. I I don't know why they would be eating flowers at this time of year. Um, I don't know. Do you have children in the neighborhood that could be doing something hmm. like that? Um, I, I would I would try to see, uh, you know, what is the bite? What does the bite look like? Is it is it very sharp? Um, is it very ragged? Uh, are the are the flowers on the ground afterwards? Um, does it look like maybe somebody just ran by and pulled the flower heads off? I, I would look into some mm-hmm. of those some of those issues. Yeah, we don't have all the details. Yeah, it's, for it's that. yeah, well, that's kind of funny. Linda is calling from North Branch. Linda, you're on with Teresa here on CCO. Hi, Linda. Good morning. I have this year for the first time planted a dahlia. Mm-hmm. And it has come up and it is just beautiful. And I've even cut off this morning. My question is, how do I store the bulb for the winter? I live on a in a um, house that's on a slab, so I have no basement. Okay. So how do I prepare the bulb? Yep, for I, I would definitely, dahlias are kind of tricky. They need certain humidity and temperature and everything like that. I know I've got some master gardener friends who are fantastic dahlia growers, and I just envy them because I'm not going to put that work into it. Uh, but I would go to the website if possible and look up dahlias, okay. um, and it will tell you, you know, when to pull them, how to brush off uh, most of the soil, how to store them. They do need a certain humidity level, and they do need a cooler. So even though you're in that kind of a situation in your house, there may be a closet that has an outside wall that you don't use that much in a room you don't use that much that stays cooler. That might bring the temperature down enough for you to save those dahlias over winter. So good luck. And then do check them every two or three, four weeks just to make sure they're not rotting or they're not drying out. All right. Thanks, Linda, for the call. And before we run out of time, let's pick up on more uh, text messages. Have The texter says this, have some volunteer ash trees that I don't want. When I cut one down, two grow back, et cetera. <laughs> What's best method and time to eliminate them permanently? Um, if they're in your lawn, just keep mowing them. Otherwise, keep cutting them down. Uh, you can also, as soon as you cut those those uh, branches down to the ground, those, those trees down to the ground, you can um, spot treat them to um, like with a Roundup or a brush killer, um, the little bit that you've just left, the little stump you've left. Otherwise, just keep cutting them and try not to disturb the soil. That only brings more seedlings to the surface that will grow. All right, we have uh, less than a minute to go. We have some, uh, let's see, uh, have wisteria vine that's 15 years old. Every year 
gets a powdery stuff all over the leaves before the second bloom. Mm-hmm. Leaves darkish, no second bloom. Tired of this. Powdery mildew. That's what it is. Yep. So you can treat before you see it. Okay. Well, I, I tell you what, as we uh, have a matter of seconds before we head out of here, thanks, Teresa. It's, Thank you. Now, are you going to be back next week when Susie I Jones I am back filled? next week. I'm very excited to be here two weeks in a row. That's great. Mm-hmm. And Susie Jones will yep. be And you have a in. wonderful trip. Well, thank you very much. But in the meantime, mm-hmm. how about that website where you find all sorts of great information? Extension.umn.edu. Click on the Garden tab. Excellent. Thanks. See, see you down the road. See you. Thanks, Teresa. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.